Okay, guys, we're going to uh, open up God's Word together now and see what it would say to us. Now, usually as a church, we would, we would do a series working through a book of the Bible, taking it a chunk at a time and seeing uh, what it would speak to us. And next week, we're going to do exactly that. We're going to begin a series in the book of James. Uh, and James is a book full of practical wisdom, of really weighty challenges and words of great encouragement to us. And, and it's my conviction and my belief that at this time, uh, as we work through James, it will serve to strengthen us. Uh, at times it will challenge us, uh, but it will also inspire us as we seek to live for God uh, in this present challenge. But for today, I I want to preface that series by looking specifically at how we might respond to COVID-19. And actually, although it presents significant challenges and will doubtless be a difficult time for many, why I believe that we have every reason as Christians to have hope and even to be expectant as Christians, that God will be at work in this time. So rather than preaching from one passage of the Bible today, uh, I'm going to begin by setting the scene, uh, and then we will look to the Bible to see how it speaks into this and how we might respond. So for some time now in the UK, uh, certainly for the entirety of my life so far, We have been living in increasing comfort. And actually, we've been living with the growing illusion of control. We have never-ending distractions and entertainment options. You know, with the help of technology and with growing purchasing power and almost endless choice, it's very easy to believe that we're in charge. And we've been living for some time now with that illusion and that comfort. We can control our heating and lights from our mobile phones uh, with Netflix and Apple TV, Amazon Prime, Hulu and goodness knows uh, what other streaming services there are. We can watch pretty much whatever we want to watch whenever we want to watch it. You know, as the most recent Virgin Media advert says, I can do anything. Food comes in fresh from all over the world. And with a few clicks on our mobile phones, takeaway drivers will deliver pretty well whatever cuisine we fancy to our doorstep. And so when things like this virus thrust their way into our news and into our lives, we at first are tempted to believe that we're the exception to the rule. That it can't possibly impact on us or, or in any way inhibit our freedoms. We won't let it. And yet here it is. Stridently and unapologetically causing chaos. Closing schools and gyms and workplaces. Cancelling sports events. Locking down whole cities. Stopping churches from gathering together. And even making it seemingly impossible to get hold of loo roll. It's reminding us that we live in a world that is bigger than our comfortable, controllable bubble. A world that is actually riddled with pain and suffering and struggle. 
C.S. Lewis wrote about this kind of event in 1948 uh, in an essay that he uh, entitled On Living in an Atomic Age. It was written into the context of uh, the UK where we were gripped with fear of the atomic bomb and the potential devastation that that might cause uh, on a global scale. And amongst many excellent and thought-provoking words in his essay, uh, C.S. Lewis penned these. What the wars and the weather and the atomic bomb have really done is to remind us forcibly of the sort of world which we are living in and which during the prosperous period before 1914 we were beginning to forget. And the reminder is, so far as it goes, a good thing. We have been waked from a pretty dream and now we can begin to talk about realities. You could so easily change atomic bomb for COVID-19, couldn't you? What COVID-19 has really done is to remind us forcibly of the sort of world which we are living in. We have been waked from a pretty dream and now we can begin to talk about realities. So as our lives are disrupted and many of our comforts and securities are stripped away from us, what are the realities to which COVID-19 might awaken us? There are a couple that I want to suggest today. And then I want to look at how we might respond to them as Christians. And the first one is this. I believe COVID-19 awakens us again to the truth that we are not in control. We like to believe that we are in control. But really we're not. And times like this remind us of that fact. The Bible is packed, actually, with reminders of that truth. But we're slow learners. One such reminder can be found in James chapter 4, verse 13 to 15. It says this. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. You see, God is in control. We make our plans. (laughs) We do. We make our plans. But right now, we're being reminded of the fact that actually God is in control and not us. From the beginning, humanity has tried to play God and behave as though we don't need him, as though we can control everything and have it just as we desire it to be. We We love to believe that we're in charge, that we're masters of our own destiny. But if COVID-19 wakes us up to anything, it should firstly be the humbling reality that we are not in control. 
that we are extraordinarily limited in our ability to control what happens tomorrow. We don't know what will happen tomorrow. God does, but we don't. The second sobering reality to which we're awakened is that death is certain. The reminder of our lack of control is felt nowhere more acutely than the realisation that we cannot cheat death. However we try, and from whichever angle you view it, death is certain. And sooner or later, every single one of us will face it. Even in those verses we just read from James, we were reminded, weren't we, with the question, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. See, we may do all we can to try and preserve and prolong life for as long as possible, and rightly so. Those are good and honourable pursuits. I'm incredibly grateful for the medical professionals right now who are doing just that, doing all that they can to, to preserve and prolong life. But the inescapable truth that we're confronted with right now is that life is not that long and death is certain that we're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We've always known it to be true, haven't we? But we find ways to push it away to distract ourselves from it. And in our comfortable 21st century world, we have many ways of distracting ourselves from the painful reality of death. We, <laughs> we watch and read and, and <laughs> consume. We distract ourselves from it. We pretend that it isn't true. But actually, right now, as the news is filled with stories and statistics, and as it creeps ever closer to home, we can't avoid it. There's no distracting us from the fact that death is inescapable. And actually, I believe that in many ways, the best thing that could happen for us is to wake up to that reality again. Because for those who reject the giver of life, for those who reject Jesus, death is real and rightly to be feared because it means it's too late For those who reject God, when death comes, when we're faced with that reality, it's too late. It's too late to repent. It's too late to put your hope in Christ. We need to wake up. I heard John Piper recently talk about this virus as a thunderclap of God's mercy. 
sounds a strange way of expressing it. What he means is this, this virus that wakes us up forcibly from our dream may be unpleasant and potentially scary, but compared to the prospect of eternal separation from God, this is a merciful and gracious wake-up call. It's a reminder that while today is still today and there is still breath in your lungs, it is not too late. It's not too late to ask for forgiveness. It's not too late to accept the offer of new and lasting life with Jesus. It's not too late to be made right with God. Death is certain. But our mission as Christians is to call people out of death and into new life with Jesus for now and for eternity. I hope that COVID-19 wakes you up. I hope that it serves to wake you up and remind you of why you are here. And that leads me on to my next point. There's hope, which I'm guessing you might be relieved to hear, because to this point, this has probably not felt like particularly good news. But I want to say today, however bleak this gets, however difficult this becomes, however challenging This is, there is hope. Hope in the here and now and hope for all eternity for all those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. You know, Romans 8 says this. I want you to hear this today. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves you and he wants you to know it. His love for you was most fully displayed in Christ Jesus at the cross as he took your sin upon himself and as he died in your place so that if you hope in him, if you trust in him, if you put your faith in him, that you might live for eternity in the perfect presence of God. I'm convinced Because of Jesus, I'm convinced, along with Paul, who wrote those words to the Romans, that neither life nor death, that coronavirus or anything else will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Christians need not fear the coronavirus or even the prospect of death itself. Because in Jesus, we have a hope that goes beyond the grave. 
The Apostle Paul wrote from prison and under the threat of death these words to a group of first century Christians in Philippi. He said this to them as he wrote from prison, not knowing whether he would live or die. He said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. How could he say those words? Well, he could say them because he understood that every breath in this life is a gift from God and to be used for the glory of God. To live is Christ. And that death holds no sting for the Christian because it's not the end. That there is life beyond the grave for those who hope in Christ. There is life beyond the grave for those who hope in Christ and that life will be in the perfect presence of God for all eternity with no pain and no suffering and no sorrow. That is gain indeed. To live is Christ and for the Christian to die is gain. Fear is not for Christians because those who have a hope in Jesus have nothing to fear. The sin that separates us from God and leads to death has been defeated by Jesus at Calvary. This is an incredibly liberating truth. Having such security to be able to face life and say, I am convinced that nothing, no matter how difficult, no matter how hard, nothing whatsoever can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus, no matter how hard it gets. It's when you know that, when you're secure in that truth, in that hope, it's incredibly freeing. I want to show you a video now of the story of a mother who has discovered that kind of hope. Not in an easy and comfortable existence, but in the face of great challenge and hardship. In fact, the sort of challenge that may well lead most of us to despair. Uh, And so I want to play for you now Rachel's testimony. (laughs) Wow. It's a stunning testimony, isn't it? It's a really beautiful story of a mother who knows that she's not in control but has found incredible hope and freedom in the God who is in control and who loves her and her family. An eternal hope in the rock of ages and present help in times of trouble. See, for Rachel and for you, if you're a Christian, whatever comes, we have an unshakable hope in Jesus. And by his spirit at work within us, we might have a peace that isn't determined by our present circumstances, however heavy, however challenging they might be, but instead that is informed by our standing before God. And because of that, 
because of that hope that we have in Jesus. Because of that hope that we get to experience and enjoy as Christians. History is absolutely littered with stories of Christians who have faced death unafraid. Christians who through persecution and martyrdom have faced death unafraid. Christians who at times by walking with compassion have sought to care for and love the most vulnerable and sick and needy in society unafraid of the consequences for their own safety and well-being. Which leads me on to my final point. Our hope leads us into action. Or at any rate, it should do. See, as Christians, by the grace of God, we have great confidence that death is not the end. And that brings great freedom to us because we're not dominated and controlled by fear and self-interest. But instead, we're free to love as we've been loved by Jesus, even when that might come at great personal cost to us. Guys, I want to encourage you at this time to make the most of every opportunity that you have to share the love of God with those around you in word and in action. Just get in touch with your neighbors. Offer to help them. Do their shopping. Check in regularly to make sure they're okay. But exercise wisdom as you do so. Not out of fear and self-preservation, but out of love and care for others. We don't fear death, and that's very freeing. (laughs) But that shouldn't lead us to foolish actions either. We care deeply, and so we act accordingly to love and serve those around us. Guys, if you're healthy, help those in need. But if you're unwell at this time, please don't. Don't take unnecessary risks. We actually help no one by soldiering on with a I'm okay, I know where I'm going kind of attitude. You ever met those kind of Christians who are like, I might be sick and I might be unwell, but I'm just going to keep going and I'm going to keep getting out there and and going and meeting my neighbors and doing things because I'm all right, I know where I'm going, doesn't matter if I die. Yeah, well, no, you're right. (laughs) And I'm glad that you don't fear death, but actually it's incredibly unloving when you're ill to go and spread that sickness to everyone who you might meet. So I want to ask you, if you're ill, out of love for others, stay away until you're well again. Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, uh, actually wrote about some of this in the 16th century bubonic plague. He wrote these words, which I think are very helpful for us today. He said this, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Because I'm praying that God would protect us and those around us in our nation. And he said this, Then I shall purify the air, administer medicine and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed. If my neighbor needs me, however... I will go freely. See, this is faith, because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. 
One person paraphrased Luther's idea like this. It says, neither fear death nor court danger. We follow the death-defeating Christ, not a cult of foolishness and folly. Fearlessness and folly, sorry. So if you're a Christian, then my encouragement for you is to pray for our nation. And indeed, the nations of the world. Pray for our doctors and nurses and politicians. Pray for those affected by the virus. But more than all of that, pray that people would wake up to their need of a saviour. That when their other hopes are stripped away, people would find hope in Jesus. The rock of ages, a sure and firm foundation. I want to encourage you to pray for yourself too. To come honestly before God and ask what COVID-19 might reveal in your own heart about where you've placed your security and your comfort. When you identify those things that you've begun to put your hope in more than you have hoped in Jesus, I want to encourage you to pray and to repent and to put those things on one side, to recognize them for what they are, for faint and and frail hopes that can't ever truly bring satisfaction and fulfillment and turn again to Jesus and put your faith and trust in him. But I also want to encourage you to act. Not foolishly and impulsively, but to act lovingly, responsibly and thoughtfully. Don't give way to fear. God does not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love and of a sound mind. So I want to encourage you guys. Reach out to your neighbours. Be bold and courageous. Let's live as light in the darkness this week and in the weeks to come. Let's do everything we can to share the love of God with everyone we can in every way we can at this time. Just to help you with how that might work practically over this next week, we're going to post um, some local charities up on our social media who could do with volunteers at this time. Uh, So we're going to get the information about that out over this coming week uh, to you. And I'd encourage you to, if you are healthy, to get in touch with them and to volunteer. Let's love and serve our community at this time. But above all... Let's seek opportunities to point people to Jesus, our sure and certain hope in times of trouble. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll conclude our time together. Lord, I, I thank you that in you we have an eternal hope, as well as having an ever-present help in times of trouble. Lord, I thank you that you are utterly steadfast, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you don't change. Lord, I thank you that you are in control. And we look to you now and we say, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we do know you, and we trust in you, and we hope in you. Lord, I pray as... We ourselves and others around us are, are, are kind of shaken and woken up to 
the reality of some of these things that we've talked about today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to point them to you. Lord, at this time, would you draw people to yourself? Would you help people to come to a living knowledge of you that they would have a hope unshakable, a hope eternal in you, Lord? Jesus, we're sorry for the things that we've put our hope in apart from you. We're sorry for the times when we've uh, found our security uh, in other things. We come to you again. We look to you again. We turn our back on those things and we say, Jesus, in you and you alone, our hope is found. Lord, we thank you that you free us from fear. You free us from the fear of death. You free us from our sin. You free us from uh, being driven by selfish ambition and motive. Lord, I pray that we would know again and experience and enjoy and live in the good of the freedom that you have won for us at the cross this week. Lord, help us to shine as light in the darkness. Help us to live for your glory and for the good of those around us. Fill us again with your spirit. Amen. Guys, thank you for joining us today. Uh, I hope that you found this helpful and encouraging and strengthening. Um, We're going to be sending out some questions via email for you. So hopefully that should be in your inbox by now if you are uh, a Foundation Church regular. Um, I'd encourage you to, uh, to pick those up. Uh, and have a think through them together as a family perhaps, uh, but certainly within life groups through our our kind of WhatsApp uh, discussion groups, there's going to be space and time to reflect on those and to discuss those together uh, over this week. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.